0: The concept of California pizza was created at Chez Panisse, no doubt about that. And I've seen over the years the question of whose idea it was, whether it was Alice Waters' idea or Jeremiah Tower, who was the chef there.
1: From federal prosecutor to co-founder of one of the most successful pizza chains in the U.S., Rick Rosenfield wanted to own the market on California pizza, and he pretty much did that. The story behind California Pizza Kitchen. Straight ahead. Straight fire pepperoni. I need a deep dish pepperoni and a thin sausage to go. Can I get two cheese and one uh, Detroit? Can okay, I get one large pep, one large sausage, and one large pet special? This is Pizza City, the podcast dedicated to the art, craft, and passion behind the world's greatest pizzas. I'm Steve Dolinsky, author of Pizza City USA, The Ultimate Chicago Pizza Guide, and founder of Pizza City Tours and Pizza City Fest.
0: Nice. That's like
1: and welcome, everybody. Great to have you along with us for another edition of Pizza City. I uh, was just in L.A. this week for about 36 hours and managed to try a couple of places for Potential inclusion in next year's Pizza City Fest. I'm just so enamored with the scene in Southern California. I had a Sicilian, I had a thin Roman, I had a real slice of LA at a place called Fatty Mart, a half Mapo tofu, half Bidia pizza on a four day fermented crust. Absolutely delicious. And thank you, Noel Broner, for sharing that pie with me. As you recall, we had a series of panel discussions at our LA event in April, and one of them was about building a pizza brand. Uh, One of the panelists was Rick Rosenfield, co-founder of CPK, also known as California Pizza Kitchen. I remember taking my six-year-old daughter to a CPK here in Chicago many years ago, and she loved that barbecue chicken pizza, which of course made me laugh, because don't we all think of California when we hear barbecue chicken? (laughs) Anyway, I wanted to speak with Rick a bit more about his background and how he went from a high powered, very much in demand prosecutor to a pizza mogul. And um, I want you to pay attention to his description later in this show of the rock program that they instituted at CPK when it comes to assessing their employees. Great advice for anyone who has employees um, in their business. And I know this is a bit of a departure from how we normally do our shows, uh, but I spoke with Rick via Zoom since he's in California. Uh, we started off, as we always do, by asking our guest about their first pizza memory.
0: I certainly know my most vivid early pizza memory that was growing up in Chicago and there was Pizzeria Uno and Due. I, you know, in my high school dating days, etc. In fact, I'm sure even before that with my parents, that was, you know, for, for me, pizza was defined by doué, d- deep-dish pizza.
1: And your career was not a pizza career in the traditional sense. You weren't, tell me what you did, you know, growing up then from Chicago. You got into law, yeah?
0: Oh yeah, that was definitely a not traditional pathway. I, you know, I went from uh, law school in Chicago to the Department of Justice in Washington and and in the appellate criminal division writing briefs in the U.S. Supreme Court, which was in criminal cases for the government, which was very, very heady, as you can imagine, for a young 24-year-old kid. That was fantastic. And then I ended up coming out to L.A. for the summer and working as a special prosecutor when the Supreme Court was in recess and took the bar sort of on a lark, figuring maybe someday I'd come back and retire in California. But I passed the bar and the U.S. Attorney wanted me to come and back and work at full-time in L.A., and I did that. So I ended up in L.A. as a federal prosecutor uh, and then met my partner, Larry Flax, who was also a, a federal prosecutor. My partner and I were always focused on is getting out of the practice of law, right? So we had one restaurant idea after another. We met Tony Roma when he had one unit. <laughs> and then he literally went in Florida when he had one unit and, and, and he had actually sold out. And then we were gonna do our own version of Tony Roma's ribs. We thought about that for a while. We kicked around different ideas, but it was the launch of California Pizza really starting with Alice Waters, right? That just piqued our attention as a concept, right? It was, it, I have to say, as I reflect upon it, it was more conceptual that we we liked the idea than that we were totally overwhelmed by this notion of California pizza. We liked we liked it. It seemed to fit what was going on in California. Her idea, concept of California pizza was created at Chez Panisse, no doubt about that. And I've seen over the years a question of. Whose idea it was, whether it was Alice Waters' idea or Jeremiah Tower, who was the chef there.
1: But you and your your business partner, your law partner, were interested in going into this business, which I would imagine even back then you knew it was going to be a kind of a headache. It's a lot of HR. It's it's more than just sort of glad handing and, and touching tables and saying hello and back slapping. This is a lot of work, work that you hadn't really been
0: accustomed to as an attorney. Yeah, we thought we come up with this great concept, right? It is this rising idea of this individual pie with California toppings, innovative toppings, didn't have to have tomato sauce on them, right? You couldn't get into Spago, right? Because it was celebrity, and you needed a week's reservation if you get one at all. And our original idea was, I call it the different concept. It was the idea that we were gonna bring Spago to the masses because we were these bright attorneys coming up with this concept, that it would work. And then we got in the restaurant business. And what year was that?
1: 1985. So in the early 80s, when you say California toppings, what right. did, what did that mean cuz I remember in the you know I I graduated high school in 86 you know my food epiphany was really in the sort of late 80s early 90s and it was still difficult to find like in the midwest you couldn't get fresh basil in a lot of grocery stores but in the mid 80s so early 80s in in,
0: in LA what was a california topping to you The california toppings I was just referring to is going back to Alice Waters and Chez Panisse now we're talking about putting goat cheese and fresh vegetables, right? So that would sort of define what I thought of first as California toppings. Then when Puck, and we go back historically, brought Ed Do down from Northern California to create pizzas at Spago, then that introduced the duck sausage pizza and the smoked salmon pizza, etc. This is 1984, okay? And we hired Ed as a consultant. So when we opened CPK in early 85, Ed was our consultant. And he created the original menu at CPK in Beverly Hills. On it, what the brainstorm was, he created barbecue chicken pizza at CPK. That was the brainstorm. The rest of it was less of a brainstorm. The others were uh, duck sausage, of course, uh, lamb sausage, pizza, rabbit sausage pizza, radicchio pine nut pizza, grape leaf pizza. At those days, I lived a half, s- five blocks away. I'd get first thing in the morning, six o'clock in the morning, I'd go off for a run. I'd stop there. I'd look at the computer printout. And I'd see what was selling. Okay. Well, say so we sold 150 barbecue chicken pizzas and one rabbit sausage pizza and one lamb sausage pizza and didn't get that. Ed liked his menu, okay? Ed was with CPK only a month or two. The idea of barbecue chicken pizza was the eye-opener for us. And that was toppings that Americans were familiar with and liked, but just hadn't had on pizza. So the next brainstorm, so to speak, that Larry and I put on the menu immediately was the Thai chicken pizza. The idea that at that time you'd go in an Indian restaurant and you would order the Thai satay, and well, what would happen when you ran out of chicken? You would take bread and dip it in the peanut sauce. right? So then the Thai chicken, right? And then the BLT. But also, also the traditional cheese and mushroom pepperoni and sausage. Right? So that was always true. Chocolate, it's the same thing that happened. We knew a guy who was the COO of Baskin-Robbins and he would say, the Basket Robins, number one was Jaboca almond fudge, and number two, three, and four were chocolate vanilla and strawberry.
1: So um you have this store in Beverly Hills. How long before you realized you can start expanding and then at what kind of a clip? Were you expecting this was gonna scale right away, or what was what was your plan?
0: I stopped practicing law six months before the first restaurant to focus on building this restaurant. Larry focused on sort of wrapping up the law practice. But we thought we'd open it and we would still have some law practice for a while. That was a complete misconception. But we were specialists. Larry and I were white collar, criminal defense, federal criminal defense attorney. That time, a lot of defense attorneys were not familiar with federal court, state court practitioners. They they get a big case in federal court, they'd refer it to us. So that was our business. So when these white collar criminal defense attorneys go into the restaurant business, that dried up the (laughs) the referrals. When Larry and I borrowed money, we borrowed a quarter of a million dollars on our law practice, basically, on, you know, and mortgage our homes, I might add, okay, To, to do this, right? So when I wrote to the bank what our business plan was, It was that we were going to become the third style of pizza in America. We hadn't opened the first restaurant. So we said that there's New York pizza, there's Chicago pizza, and there's going to be California pizza. And I did say this, it's California pizza is going to be defined by what California Pizza Kitchen says it is. We really intended to expand it and we knew when we opened the first one, it was immediately popular. We now, from day one, basically understood this was a people business. That that our real success was going to be managing people, and it wasn't going to be a, it wasn't going to be about the pizza, per se. I mean, our ability to succeed. Right? We knew we knew if we could replicate what we had, we had the food end of it covered. When we sold to PepsiCo in 1992, so that's after seven years. Okay. We, we sold two-thirds of the company to PepsiCo. Okay. And Larry and I maintained that basically with our investors, Larry and I owned most of that investment. Larry and I owned basically, we, we owned a third of the company. Now, when we sold the company uh, in 2011 to Golden State uh, Capital, uh, there were 212 that we owned. There were 15 in the airports that we franchised and maybe another 25 around the world that we franchised.
1: And what kinds of things were keeping you up at night with that many stores when you were still
0: owner? That's a good question. I used to say, (laughs) you know, before the recession, I used to say a snowstorm in Chicago in the winter on a weekend. Yeah, Chicagoans are tough and they go out in the winter. But when you have a snowstorm in the winter, you're not getting traffic in the mall the (laughs) same way it was if it was nice spring and sunny and that's what, <laughs> so anyway, that's what I used to say until the recession hit, and that kept me up at night. Okay,
1: right, listen, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to keep talking with Rick Rosenfield here, co-founder of California Pizza Kitchen. And we're going to ask him about his next venture, which is coming up, a little bit of a Roman theme, uh, that story plus uh, previews of our next show coming up in two weeks, so stay with us. Welcome back to the show everybody. We're talking with Rick Rosenfield today, co-founder of California Pizza Kitchen. Um he talked about building this from literally zero uh to a point where they've more than 200 stores. Um and he's now out of that project, but he's working on another project. Um and this Rick, I had had this last year when I was scouting in L.A., um, we were trying different places, and I think it was at it was a mall in Glendale, it was a, and it's called Roca. Tell me about this.
0: Right. Uh, yeah, that was our pop-up that uh, we thought would run for a few months, but because of uh, permit delays here in California, uh, ended up running for 14 months. Uh, so uh, Roca is RO for Roman and CA for California. So inspired by Rome, when my wife and I went to Rome and and learned and and specifically when people talk about Roman pizza, sometimes it all gets lumped in, but the pizza that we're talking about is pizza al taglio, which is pizza baked in a pan.
1: My understanding is there's a couple different Roman styles. There's Roman al taglio, which is by the cut like at Bunchy, you know, you tell them how much you want, they cut it with scissors, they weigh it, you pay by the pound. Alice, spelled like Alice, is the same thing. There's a style, I believe, Roman almetro, which is by the meter, and then there's Roman tavern. Danny Meyer in New York tried doing a Roman tavern place for a while that didn't make it. Uh, But there's a place here in Chicago, Pizzeria Viestato, and they claim to have a Roman tavern, which looks like a Chicago tavern, thin and crispy cut, very small. Um, is that your understanding? There's multiple styles in Rome to choose from.
0: Right. Yeah. Exactly. That piece. I think that you're, that tavern. I think they call Altanda. that that crispy uh, one that looks you know, like the like the Chicago thin crust. Yes. But the one that interests me was inspired by Banchi and by others. You know. There's also Roscioli that that in in Rome. And um, that's what what fascinated me about it was this ability, and this is what you touched upon just for a moment, was this ability of this crust to stand up and hold up for delivery, et cetera, and takeout, and and the crunch that comes from that dough when it's done correctly.
1: what Are the plans for this? You said you had the pop up, which lasted about a year, but now you've got a couple locations, or the plan is to have three, I think, right away. Pop up was in
0: Americana at Brand, as you know, which is a Rick Caruso project, and then Rick Caruso built in the Palisades Village, and which is a wonderful neighborhood in the west side of Los Angeles. That we opened that two months ago, so and then the third one is. Uh, and Marina del Rey, another Caruso project. As it turns out, we had two domestic franchisees in my history. Steve Wynn and Rick Caruso, when he built his first center uh, 26 years ago, was a franchisee. So anyway, that's but that that's the start, and then we will we will build more. We'll start in Southern California, mm-hmm. and then as CPK, we were. And, and, and sort of broad answer to your question before, we were very opportunistic about where we went. We went anywhere that it, it sort of made sense for the brand.
1: What are some of the troubleshooting issues you have early on with something like this? you obviously gone through this already 40 years ago. Now that you know what you know, um, and you're starting a different kind of a brand, what were some of the early troubleshooting issues you've had with getting this thing going? The,
0: the number one issues, we couldn't, it's been a cup several years to get it off the ground because of the pandemic and because of bureaucracy associated with the pandemic. So getting it through the building process in L.A. County and the city has been a challenge.
1: Final question for you, Rick. Um, We ask our guests all the same question here. Knowing what you know now about pizza making, what would you have told your very young self in 1983, 84, to be successful in the pizza business.
0: The same thing I, I would say today. Understand that this is it's going to be about the people. You have to empower the right people. You have to trust the right people. And, and I'll end, if I can, by, by telling you something really was important to us. Because we, so we had 14,000 people, and we had employees. We had 35 regional directors who had come up, worked our way through, mostly worked their way through our system, have been with us an average of 14 years. And we created a culture we called ROCK, R-O-C-K. Respect, Opportunity, Communication and Kindness. And we gave out Rockstar Awards. And, we, and that's how we would judge, internally, we would judge people, are they ROCK people, we would say. Those were the people we promoted. I still believe that today. If somebody comes in with a bad attitude, they bring the whole restaurant down.
1: Absolutely right. I remember you talked about this at the pizza fest, so that was a great anecdote. Um, okay, uh, again, two fantastic brands here: the the old one um, that has been around for more than forty years, California Pizza Kitchen; the new one, Roca, Roman and California uh, together. Rick Rosenfield, the man behind both of them. Uh, I'm sure you'll see a Roca coming to a store or a mall or shopping area near you pretty soon around the country. Rick, thanks so much for your time They really appreciate it.
0: Sure. My pleasure, Steve. Take care. All
1: right. Coming up in two weeks, we are staying in California, this time in the Valley, about an hour from L.A., depending on traffic, for a discussion about two doughs. Literally. We had a huge event at, uh, at Capitol Records where we
0: served 400 people and we did both dough types. It was absolutely insane. Very challenging, especially because of the different temperatures. So we did some
1: really unique stuff. I'll talk to Chadwick Corcoran, the force behind two doughs in Agora Hills and one of the bright spots from our first Pizza City Fest in L.A. That's in two weeks on June 23rd. Remember to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Tell a friend and rate us, please. Also, reminder to support the show at anchor.fm slash pizzacity. We're at pizzacityusa on Instagram, and our website is pizzacityusa.com. Bureaucratic wrote and performed our theme song. And here's wishing you an optimal bite ratio always.